what if I do the same thing this time and I go, welcome to JK Moto Podcast, and then I just hesitate for a long time? I mean, you could do that if, if you want. <laughs> I don't know if that's best for our uh, <laughs> uh, view durations and audience retention, but, you know, whatever. Well, I can go. Welcome to JK Moto Podcast. I'm your host, Cole, joined by Easton. Two different climates, two different sides of the country. And then you take it away. We are here to bring you every single motorcycle-related topic for your average everyday rider, racer, track day goer, whatever you might be. We're here for you. It's the off-season for most people in America, so we're here to talk about that and make sure everyone's kind of getting ready for the on-season. Yeah, it's important to get ready for the on-season. And to help you with that, today, our guest is the president of the Utah Sport Bike Association, USBA. Oh, yeah. to, talk about, to talk about the upcoming season, 2024, uh, there's been a lot of changes made out here in Utah, and it'll be interesting to talk to him, see if we can get, can get some inside information on what's going on and what to look forward to. Yeah, and before we roll that intro, just want to say real quick, uh, if you're here for the podcast, great. Make sure you click the subscribe button down below on the YouTube channel or click follow, download, whatever, whatever it might be for your podcast platform. We're on many platforms. Also, if you're just listening, we do do YouTube. Go check out the YouTube channel. We got more than just a podcast on there. Check out some other videos. Subscribe to the channel. Throw some likes on our videos. We appreciate it. Also, really love the feedback, comments. Love it. So, we roll the intro. Roll the intro. Podcast today we have, as promised, uh, David Mayer. Is it Mayer or Meyer? Meyer. Meyer. David Meyer, the president of the Utah Sport Bike Association or USBA. Promise that we, you know, the we got the new season. It's right around the corner. Easton, you wouldn't believe it with the weather that the two of us have been dealing with. <laughs> yeah, I've been but, hearing about that. How much <laughs> snow did you get in the last twenty-four hours? I'm around twelve inches. How about you, Dave? Uh, not too much at my house, but Alta is, is my thing in the off season when we're not racing. And they've gotten, uh, I think at one point it was 25 inches in the last 24 hours. So, you know, sustained good. inch an hour storms are the ones I like. <laughs> not bad. A little late this year, but better late than never, I guess. That's right. Yep. So we want to we want to jump right into it for the people that are listening before they tune out. We want to get them the information that they that they want and then we'll uh, chit chat some more on the back but so 2024 seasons right around the corner Let, let's start with so we've talked about it quite a bit on this podcast but last year we were limited to the west track only and this year it looks like you got two days on the east on the schedule can you talk about what's made that possible and why we weren't we do yeah so for this year we're getting back on the umc east track and we're going back to a two-day race format and we'll have five rounds. 
Uh, you can find the schedule on our Facebook page right now. It should be up on our website pretty soon. Yeah, as, as I think people understand, running a club with volunteers is a lot of work and we don't always get stuff done and in as quickly as we'd like or as quickly as our members would like. But um, yeah, just want everybody to know that we're working hard. Priorities for the past little bit here have been our elections, which we just had, and uh, getting the schedule set and getting the air fence project complete, really. We had to have that complete before we can go back on the East Track. So Yeah, I think air, air fence is a hot topic. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll get to air fence in a minute. Uh, there's a lot to talk about there. But yeah, we've been working hard. My good friend Scott Ryberic has always said he was he was president of our club before. And he's a very good mentor and, and help to me. And he's always said that the off season is the busiest time for a, for a club like us. And uh, once the racing starts, things calm down a little bit in a way. And I'm definitely finding that to be true. So <laughs> Yeah, and, then, and maybe I'll take a quick step back and just introduce myself so, so people kind of know oh. who, I'm, who I am and where, where I'm coming from. David Meyer, I was recently elected president of the Utah SBA. Before that, I was the sponsorship manager for the club. been racing here in Utah since our track opened in 2006. Um, I've loved motorcycles for as long as I can remember. I've been riding sport bikes on the street for a long, long time. Uh, when I heard about uh, Miller Motorsports Park track, I immediately bought a Gixxer 1000 and got out on the track. It was great to be able to get the most out of a bike like that in a safer and, and more controlled environment. I'm probably guilty of riding like an idiot on the street before that, uh, before that happened and I was able to get it out of my system on the track. I still ride on the street quite a bit. My current street bike is an Aprilia Tuano, which is an awesome bike. Um, but you know, ever since I started riding the track, I've become a much safer and smarter street rider. So, um, you know, we can talk about a lot of stuff tonight, but but one of my main crusades, I guess you'll call it, you know, get, getting people to understand that that UMC track is still out there in, in Tooele, you know, super close to Salt Lake. A lot of people just don't know it's there. And, and not only is it there, but it's pretty easy to get on the track. Um, we have a lot of programs and um, our partner Apex Track Days has a lot of programs to help people get on the track. And, you know, once once you get a taste of it and see it's it's not quite as intimidating as you might think. Yeah. The more you can ride on the track, I feel the safer it is on the streets for everybody. So so that's a big focus for us. Getting back to the schedule, talked about that a little bit. One of the big things that we needed to do to enable us to get back on the UMC East track is is. Uh, procure a, a whole new batch of air fence. Air fence is very important to the safety of our, our riders and our members. You know, whether it's on a track day or a race day, all of us have partnered together to, to procure the air fence that we need to safely go back on the East track. There was air fence that we had for a long time, but this stuff doesn't last forever. And, you know, a lot of it got, got past its, uh, its usable life. So it's something that we had to deal with and it's, it's not an easy issue. Uh, the air fence it, itself is expensive. Uh, deploying it and storing it is uh, a process that's pretty is that, involved. So just real quick, sorry not to interrupt too much, but as a, as a not super versed person, which I, I'm pretty aware of what air fence is, but some people might not be what like quick question one in 
what is air fence and then two it, to me i've always kind of wondered is that something that the clubs are responsible for putting up or is that something that the track takes care of like does that take a trained professional or is that so there's a couple different types of air fence uh there's an inflatable type which is almost like a big giant industrial strength air bed that you need an air compressor to blow it up and then you put it up against the armco or up against the concrete wall that's in the impact zone of, of certain areas of the track. Um, uh, you know, the, the use and, and who puts it up and who's responsible for it is it varies a lot by track and, and by organization. Um, I don't know of too many tracks that, that provide that anymore. And so, you know, we've, we've had a lot of discussions with UMC and apex track days and really the, the, Huge help has been John Ulrich and the Road Racing World Action Fund, um, who's, who's providing us the air fence. And um, yeah, like uh, we're the user of the facility and, and it's our users and our riders that, that it's their safety. So when, when I was elected, that was my big thing is we got to get this air fence solved. So we started working on it and we dug in and we've done a big fundraiser and raised a lot of money. And uh, yeah, in, in terms of Kind of the details i can i can go into a little bit of detail here of, of what everybody's been doing on that so as i said you know air fence is a very important safety issue for us the the blow up type the inflatable type i mentioned the kind that we're using is actually uh not inflatable it's a permanent uh covered pad if you will uh that that goes up against the armco and so mm -hmm. it's pretty big and bulky to to handle which we need storage for it then um so you know, we, we've been working hard with our partners and I'm happy to say that uh, the new air fence is on order now with Road Racing World uh, through the Road Racing World Action Fund. Apex Track Days, I mentioned, they've been the track day provider here in Utah for a very long time. They're going to be using it for their events also. And so we've been, you know, they've been helping out a ton. They've made a substantial financial donation to the effort. They helped us run the VIP Track Day fundraiser that we did back in October that raised a lot of money towards the cause. They're providing multiple Connex containers for us to store the air fence in on site at the track. And they're also partnering with us on the deployment process. Um, so before the weekend, we have to go put the air fence up. You don't really wanna leave it out there. It gets cooked in the sun and if cars crash into it, it can be ruined. So, you know, there's there's a lot of layers to, to owning and, and using air fence and, and so that's, uh, you know, Apex has been a great partner. I also want to mention Garrett Potter, who's the general manager at UMC. He's been helping out a ton. So they've donated to the cause by way of a, a very deep discount that they gave us on the VIP track day that we ran in October. And we're going to be running those every year um, going forward. They've provided us the use of some pretty big vehicles and flatbed trailers to help with deployment. Those are resources that the track owns. They're allowing us to place the multiple Connex containers on site. Uh, they're designated folks from their side to be air fence managers to help oversee the deployment and recovery of it. Garrett's leading some revisions that we're making to the deployment process to make that quicker and more efficient for everybody. So um, yeah, just want to give a huge shout out to Garrett and, and the UMC staff for for their part of, of what they're doing for this. And then finally, John Ulrich at Road Racing World Action Fund. As I mentioned, we've been working with him for 
some time on this advice on what type of air fence to use john's committed and he's sending us what we need and and providing us with very supportive pricing and payment terms through the action fund we're going to have a press release coming out pretty soon here with some publicity for uh, for umc and usba uh, in road racing world in the next few weeks but yeah we've uh it, it's been one of the issues that's caused me some stress, like we're promising <laughs> to go back on the East track and we need the air fence to do that. And right. the clock is ticking on getting it here and, and getting the payments for it. And yeah, everybody's really come together, um, especially our donors to the, to the effort. You know, I'm, I'm humbled by the outpouring of support that we've had from our members and, and people beyond the club to, to support this project. So definitely want to say a big thanks to everyone who's donated so far. And, um, you know, if, if you're listening to this and you'd like to donate, please reach out to us at airfence at utahsba.com. Yeah. And I'll have, I'll make sure we got, I'll have links down to USBA, um, world action fund in general, Airfence, like your emails. We'll have yes. links down in the description. Please go check those out. Beautiful. Um, Especially, you know, if you're racing with USBA, you enjoy doing that. It's it's important to give back to the uh, anyway. The cost. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah, the cost. Safety. That's good. Yeah. It's, it's everyone's yeah. safety. Look, John, I, I've, I've had many phone calls and, and meetings with John Ulrich, and he's been at this air fence stuff probably longer than anybody. Um, the other day, he, he told me that this is his crusade, is to help get as much air fence out into our industry and, and our tracks and our clubs as possible because it makes a big difference. You know, it's, uh, it, it's just so important for everybody's safety that it's a big focus. So yeah, yeah we're making great sure. progress on that. And, uh, again, super, super psyched from all the support that we've gotten so far. And, uh, it's, it's going to be an ongoing effort because we're going to want to, you know, have a fund in place to, to replace air fence as needed going forward into the future. So, it's, it's just something that we're going to do for the foreseeable future. And, uh, yeah, I feel good about it because it's the right thing to do. And, and it's, uh, again, a big safety issue. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, Dave, if you don't mind, so I've never raced with USBA. I know Cole, you know, just did his first season ever with you guys. and But at me, as someone that hasn't, maybe a couple other people that haven't, we had did have someone specifically reach out to us that will be moving out to Utah soon and looking to race with you guys. Could we start with like breaking down the just class structure in general? I've got the rule book here in front of me. There's a lot of classes. Yeah. Is, let me, is there, yeah, is let, there an easy me, organization to that? Let me, let me add to that. As somebody that just went through it, you know, for last year, as somebody that just went through it, it's, it, it can seem a little bit overwhelming your first year, you know, the, the tech or, you know, what you have to do to your bike and what classes you can go in and what classes you can't. Um, once you get there and get your feet wet and see it, it's really simple, but we, we try to help the people that are looking at it from the outside and it's just kind of overwhelming. Our goal also is to remind everybody there's a track here in Utah yeah. and, and, uh, and everywhere, but definitely in Utah also. <laughs> the one in Utah is pretty good too. <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, so, yeah, so there, there are classes for just about every bike that, you could want to race had our rule change meeting a little while back. And so there was a couple of rule changes proposed and approved that, you know, that's the next thing on my list is to finish uh, processing all that and, and revise our rule book for 24 and get that, 
get that out, released out to the general public. So that's coming soon. Stand by. It's not going to be huge differences from 23, from the 2023 uh, classes and rules. So you can start with that, which is on our website that you mentioned. And yeah, like you definitely want to read the rule book. And if, if we take a step back, even from, you know, what bike and what classes can I do? What I try to tell new new people is is try to think of the big picture and think of your season and you know pick a couple of classes to focus on. Don't try to do every class that your bike is legal for because you're gonna be, you know, five, six, seven races in a day, which which gets to be a lot and quite expensive uh, with tires, especially on the bigger bikes. So, you know, think about kind of what what you want your goals to be uh, in, in a first season. I can suggest some goals for new folks because I was new at one point and, you know, my, my guidance and input to a new racer would be number one, have fun. Uh, it's not hard once you get out there. It's so fun, you know, try to have a budget and stick to your budget. So you don't upset other other people in your life. (laughs) If you can get some sponsors to help out, that's, uh, that's helpful too, but yeah, try to figure, you know, a big picture of, of how much you think you're going to spend per round, uh, entry fees, tires, fuel, bike parts, oil changes, you know, garage rental. We're so lucky that the track has such beautiful garage facilities that we can rent, you know, put in a little extra money for that because it's definitely worth it. Don't try to go out and win the season on the first lap, you know, ride within your within your ability and uh, my strategy for a long time has been that I'm, I'm always trying to do small incremental improvements and, and go a little bit faster, a little bit at a time. And I've found that that helps you crash less. And uh, if you crash less, you have a better time. It's less expensive. You don't get hurt. Your wife doesn't get mad at you, stuff like that. So, yeah, definitely like think about the big picture and, and you know, Please forward people to us. You can have them email board at utahsba.com and let us know that you're new and and you want to get involved. We're having a new racer, new track rider seminar at uh, Moto United on March 9th. We just finalized the date for that. So Moto United South Valley, uh, March 9th, we'll be going through. We've done this for the last couple of years and, and it's a long seminar format answer to your question, like, how do I get information and how do I figure out what to do to get involved? So we cover all of that stuff at that seminar. Put that on your calendar, March 9th at Moto United South Valley. March 9th. March 9th. Yep. So we also have, and we're working on formalizing this, but we have a right now kind of an informal mentor program. Uh, so again, if, if you reach out to the board and say, hey, I'm, I'm looking to get involved, I'd love to have kind of a mentor to help me. Um, we will figure out kind of, you know, who you are, what type of person you are, what type of bike you have, and, and get you set up with someone that's in the club, maybe even someone on the board that's been doing this for a long time, that can really help you. You know, there's there's a fair amount of scar tissue that you get from doing this sport. After I've been doing it for a while, I say, if I had known everything I know now, when I started, it, it would have been a lot easier, cheaper, more fun, less crashing. And and that's our goal, right? Is um, going back to Scott Ryberic again and, and one of his kind of main 
tenets for the whole club is, is we want to take people into the warm embrace of our club and help them, you know, get into the sport and have a good experience. Cause it's, it's very easy for people to say, Hey, I'd love to try this. And they go out there and, and, you know, nobody said, make sure you check your tire pressure before you go out on the track. And they go out with 40 pounds of air in their tire and crash and they don't have a good time and they don't come back. And I don't blame them. Like it's really hard when, when this sport is bad to you, it's, it's tough. You get hurt and it's expensive and uh, it's frustrating. So we really want to try and help people get past that learning curve and, and try and hand over a lot of the scar tissue that we've all had and, and help you get there quicker and easier and have a good time. And, and therefore, you're that's all selfish on our part. We want you to stay as a member and a rider for as long as possible. And uh, so we're happy to help with that. Good deal. So if I if I ask you real quick, maybe we just run down down the list to give me, you know, a quick brief few words on each of these classes what you would describe that as sure uh just based off of i'm just kind of curious it's like reading a rule book is very daunting which is what we all should do i agree everyone should go read the rule book but it's so daunting hoping maybe we can kind of settle a few questions here so your first two you got your deseret dash novice gto and expert gto if you could give a couple words on each of those how would you describe those classes sure so um the GT classes, if anything that says GT in it is is an open uh, open spec of a bike where okay. you could have uh, like a bike called a Kramer at this point. It never was meant to be a street bike. A lot of our classes, like you'll get to open super bike, open super stock. Those are more, it has to be a street legal bike that was manufactured in, you know, large numbers. So the GT classes can be very less restricted on the modifications that you could do to the bike and no requirement that it was ever a legal street bike. Okay. Uh, so a couple other terms that we can define here, GTU is a GT under, which is a smaller displacement, like a 600. GTO is over uh, displacement. So a bigger bike, like a 1000 CC. Um, that's the difference between GTO and GTU. Is there a, uh, is there a specific CC for that? It varies by class. Okay. And you'll see more detail in further into the rule book on, you know, now there's triples like the Triumph triple and, and V twins. And so we have specific rules for, for each one of those different bikes, um, air cooled versus liquid cooled two stroke versus four stroke. There's a lot of bikes out there and, you know, we try to simplify the rule book as much as possible, but there has to be some complexity in there to kind of account for all the different bikes and try to keep things as fair as possible. Um, so GTO and GTU is, is referring to the size, the displacement, um, novice and expert, I think is pretty self-explanatory, but when you first join us and, uh, there's a, there's an event, I think it's April 20th is our yep. first, um, yep. what we call the NRC, which is our new rider certification class. And that's a one day event that you have to go to, to get your novice race license. And so once you go through our NRC process, again, that's an education and a safety uh, event. So we want everyone to understand the ground rules and etiquette of how to get on the track and how to race safely. Uh, so once you graduate. Let me, sorry, let me let me jump in there just to just to point out for those that don't know the NRC, which I thought stood for new racers are cool. <laughs> that is that is combined with a track day. Correct. 
Correct. It is not just classroom. It, it's a it's a day of writing. Yeah, yeah I heard pr pretty busy too. <laughs> it, it's, we've had great turnout for that class in in the last couple of years. I think last year we had thirty something. The year before that, it might have even been thirty five. And that's important for the club, right? I mean, I think at the end here we're going to talk about the general state of the club, but. Um, it's very important for us. The, the average lifespan of a racer is about three years before you get, you know, crash a couple times and use your credit card to fix your bike and, and your wife or significant other is, is getting tired of the process. Uh, so if three years is the limit, we need to have new people coming into the club uh, all the time. Uh, some of them, like me, will stick and keep doing it forever because we're crazy that way. But um, it's, it's very important for us as a club to bring in new, new blood and new riders. And that NRC class is, uh, is one of the big milestones in bringing people in and, and getting them to be part of the club. So as you said, Cole, it's, it's a classroom and track. Um, we have very good, um, instructors, Alex and IH AZ is, is, uh, our director of schools. And so he runs that program and we're, we're certified by the Yamaha uh, YCRS, Yamaha Champions Riding School. We use their curriculum for our art class, and, and that trickles into a lot of the, the NRC stuff. So it's it's a lot of classroom instruction of, like we said, process and procedure, um, how to be safe out on the track, etiquette, you know, how not to crash into each other and keep keep everybody safe. And uh, so there's there's classroom sessions, and then there's riding sessions throughout the day. We, uh, we actually buy one of the 15 minute sessions from Apex Track Days, and that's just the NRC folks. And then at the end of the day, we have uh, a mock race, which is really cool, where you go out and grid up and you do a mock start and do one lap, come around, grid up again and do another start and then have like a four lap. I think it's a four lap race. So really, after all the instruction and, and riding and talking, we, we want to put you into the, the actual race environment and racing each other. And, you know, the first time you go down into turn one with with 12 or 14 or 20 people around you, it's uh, it's like the coolest thing ever. But it could be sensory overload. And, and we want to put we want to put people through that a couple of times in the class and make sure, you know, people are able to to handle that and not. Uh, not do anything dumb and, and crash everybody out. And so, yeah, once once you get through that class, uh, then kind of back to your question about classes and stuff, you get uh, a novice race license with us. All right. R real quick on that before before we move through the next classes. I'm over here in South Carolina, Dave. If I get my license with Wera and I'm running, you know, I've been novice for two years over here, or maybe I'm already running expert over here and I happen to move into Utah, what does that process look like for me? So we do have reciprocity with uh, all the other major clubs. We'll accept licenses from other clubs under reciprocity. Okay. Um, so if you have a, a novice license with other clubs, you can you can come here and uh, you know we would love for you to buy our license and and use that as reciprocity other places. But we're we're easy. Um, we we try to make it as easy as possible and, and be as friendly as possible. Uh, to the members. So you can use reciprocity that way. There's There's been a number of people, um, including me, that raced for a while and made their way up to an expert level and then took some time off for whatever reason. So 
I myself took 10 years off uh, to get married and have some kids and start the family. And after 10 years, I decided to go back to racing. And, and I asked the club, do I come back as a novice or an expert? Because I've got all this experience, but I have a long time off. So um, technically, if you've been off for, I think, two years, we want you to come back as a novice. But we've actually, uh, you can petition the board and ask us if you've got a lot of experience and feel like you're ready to be an expert. You know, talk to us. We, we'll make an exception if it's if it's warranted. You know, we probably want to ride with you. We'll probably want to have AZ ride with you and have you take the NRC class and, and just observe you and make sure that you're you not going to be- it. You're not going to be a menace. <laughs> uh, but like for me, I wanted I would rather have been the slow guy in the fast group. Um, you know, that's a another topic going back to the question of, of classes. So after you've raced as a novice for a while, a couple of ways to graduate up to expert, a couple of the classes, uh, novice GTO and a couple other classes. If you come in in the top three, you're automatically graduated up to uh, to expert. And again, you can always uh, petition the board and say, you know, my lap times are, are more in the expert category. I feel like I'm ready to move up. And yeah, I mean, another piece of advice I can give is is it's it's always good to ride with people that are faster than you because that's how you get faster yourself. So, you know, you can sandbag if you want, <laughs> but people are going to know you're sandbagging. And we actually have little sandbag awards that we give out. Uh, you saying I get a trophy if I do it? Well, you can get a, you can get a trophy for sandbagging. For I'm sure. faster, and I get a trophy. Man, I'm gonna do it. That sounds. Someone easy. has a T-shirt that says "Track Day Winner." That might be that might be Legion. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you can you can do that if you want. But again, if uh, if you're serious about kind of progressing your skills and and getting faster and moving up up the grid and proving your results, definitely try to ride with faster faster groups because that that helps you. Huh? Sweet. All right. So we've got, we've got novice and expert defined. That's based off of basically your experience and others, a a few more things to get into that. But if you're just starting out, you're going to come in as a novice and you'll learn from there. I don't think we need to dive into that too much more. We got GT versus your super bike and super stock. And we got O versus U. So moving through, I'm looking, you got your Deseret Dash. And then, you know, what is the Deseret Dash specifically? Those are all, those are both GTOs, but what is the Deseret Dash? Yeah, Deseret Dash is just the name of a class that we have, which is open to both novice and expert. And it's uh, Utah, this Deseret term is in Utah, and that was here before me. And I don't know exactly what it is, but it's just a class that we've had for a long time. And um, it's kind of a, a catch-all GT class. Okay. All right. So if, if you... If you want to run it, run it. Correct. Okay. Run with your own class is what it is. Because the the rules are pretty pretty, uh, open in terms of what you can ride in there. All right. Good deal. So next we're moving into, you got a street GP and a super street bike. Those sound pretty similar. And I think these are pretty unique as far as I know. Kind of similar, but but not exactly. So street GP is a very important program for us. It's a... uh, it is our put your toe in the water of racing class. Our street GP program on race day is kind of a, an abbreviated version of the NRC class where um, AZ and, and our team of, of instructors walk you through 
you know, procedures and processes and safety and etiquette and how to get on the track. There's a couple of classroom sessions in the morning on the race day. There's a couple of practice sessions that Street GP participants can do. And then before lunch on race day, we have the Street GP class, which is kind of like that mock race that we do in, in the NRC program. Um, there's no points. There's no season championship, but it's uh, I think it's 100 bucks to get in that, and we give them away. Um, if you're interested in trying out racing, trying out getting on the track, uh, reach out to us, and we have the drug dealer model there. The first one is free because we want to get people to experience it and see how cool it is. And, and we've had a great conversion rate of people that have done street GP and, uh, and they get hooked just like we hope. And, uh, they, they move into the, uh, the NRC and the novice group the following year, usually. So again, street GP is, is really, uh, our put your toe in the water and try out racing, uh, class and program. And it's also been very successful for us in the last couple of years, helping us bring new members into the club, new racers. Again, very important for the, the health and viability of the club in general. So that Street GP program is is really important to us. And yeah, it's it's really good. Sweet. Yeah. And also, just real quick, I did notice on your website, you do have a specific uh like spot for that. So I would direct anyone that, you know, listens to this, wants to maybe get into racing, not quite sure about it yet. Go check out utahsba.com, scroll down, you know, click on the Superbike tab, scroll down. They got Street GP, kind of tell you a little bit more about it. So what's, you know, what's different between that and your your Super Street Bike? Right. So Super Street Bike is, um, you have to have a novice license at least to run in that class. Okay. And that's kind of a next step from Street GP up to full racing, where um, the rules for that class are that you your bike, you need to be able to put your bike back to street legal trim in like 10 or 15 minutes. I forget exactly how much. So it doesn't have to be a full race bike. And in fact, we don't want full race bikes in that class. It's more of a, here's my street bike that's heading more towards being a race bike. And I want to take the next step towards racing. And that's the super street class. So if I have an extra set of wheels on a flashlight, can I run slicks and race fairings? You can in that class. Yep. Okay. As long as you can put the other stuff back on it in fifteen minutes. All right. <laughs> you can have helpers for that too, so it doesn't have to just be you. Yeah, and then you're gonna get one of them sandbag wards, buddy. Yeah. yeah. Another one. Hey, I wasn't. I wasn't asking for a friend. You know, he asking for a friend. One. He's gonna get another one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's a super street. Able to put the bike back to a street legal trim within ten minutes. Sweet, but you do need a license for that one. So it's not just for yep. your track day goers. You do you need go the license the NRC for that. And get your novice license and Sweet. Uh, bring your bike through tech. All right, we're we're making our way through here. Next, you got production five hundred, and then sportsman. Uh, Prod five hundred is just a smaller displacement. It's got to be five hundred cc's or less, and okay. more or less production rules. You can't do a ton to the motor. Um, sportsman is another novice slash beginner class. I think I'd put that one like one step above super street. So continuing the progression into okay. novice racing. Okay. Good deal. And then we have our novice GTU and GTO. I think we've pretty much already covered those. That's going to be over, uh, over what, 600 cc's? I guess it depends on what, what the bike is. 
yep. or the or the under. So essentially, your six hundreds and your one thousands. Correct. Um, and then your combined GTU GTO. What does the combined mean in those? So the combined classes are combined novice and expert. Okay. And the combined class, if you're an expert racer and you race in combined GTO, uh, you cannot also then race in KOM, which is King of the Mountains, which is our premier class. So okay. the combined GTO is one more stepping stone up the ladder towards that um, that premier class of KOM. Okay, got it. So you, you're still running a novice license maybe, or maybe you just got your expert license. You're not quite ready to hop up with the super big boys. You want to sit right there in. So they kind of mix the the middle. It's a it's a big class, if you will. Correct. Okay, got it. And now we have a, a modern vintage, which is an oxymoron. So that's a little confusing. What are what are those guys? Yes, modern vintage is bikes that are 10 years old or older. Okay. You know, is there, be, is there a limit on how old it can be? Like, can I show up with the something from the 30s? There's actually no limit to how old it can be. Um, the limit would come in tech inspection and making sure that that bike holds its oil and has all the right race parts on it that okay. make it legal to go out racing on the track. But um, the 30s, yeah, they weren't designed to hold their oil ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, just, you just continually add to it and you're good to go. Right. right. Um, but, but that class is, um, uh, again, if, if you're doing that class, you cannot do KOM. So that's another stepping stone up, up the ladder towards KOM. Okay, so that's a little question there, uh, mostly for... for oh, sorry, person. sorry, I went back a one. I'm talking about modern vintage. We're, we're, we're on to modern vintage. Um, okay. All right. the, the thing I wanted to say about modern vintage is that, you know, a 10-year-old R6 now is a weapon. Um, a 10-year-old BMW S1000RR is, is still pretty formidable bike. So um, we've, we've talked about, we've He's talked talking about, about me now. See, yeah. <laughs> another way to sandbag. Uh, we've Whoa. talked about changing the age limit on that. Yeah. I don't think we're going to change it this year. So if, uh, if you have a, a bike that's 10 years old, that's a pretty modern. I mean, that's your newest, your newest generation R1s are now coming into that picture. So pretty, pretty up to date bike. Um, yep. That could be an interesting class for you. You're talking an age limit on bikes. You were talking about changing it. We're not, we're not changing it this year. Un understood. But that's, that's what was discussed. It was discussed. Yeah. Because, because I was thinking you were talking about age and I, I just figured I'm good either way. Well, there's age too. <laughs> there's a class you're going to get to called formula 40, which, uh, there's, yeah. there's formula 40 GTO and GTU. And, and those are for obviously guys that are 40 years or older. And Some will tell you that's the fastest class. Others might or, tell you it's the slowest. Believe it or not, that's one of our most competitive classes. <laughs> um, a lot of our really fast guys are, are a little bit older in the club. And, yeah, uh, I learned that firsthand this year. <laughs> a couple times, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, so modern vintage, the bike's got to be uh, old, which isn't that old. So if you've got a bike that you think's pretty pretty sweet and uh, it might fit into that class and you might be up against some stuff that uh, isn't quite where your bike is with how new we're getting so sweet that's modern vintage all right moving down you get a moto three and a moto two are we bringing moto gp into usba those are the types of classes yep so moto three is a smaller bike um 
I forget exactly what the displacements are, but call it a 400 or lower okay. single cylinder. Moto2 is is a middleweight, so your 600, classic 600 sport bikes. Triumph 765 will be allowed in that class this okay. year. So um, what, what would you say the difference for me, because I need help all the time. What would you say the difference of the Moto2 class versus just a GTU class? Like a uh, novice GTU, I guess. So Moto2 is an expert class, and okay. I believe you're allowed more modifications to the equipment in Moto2. Okay. Yeah, I think this is start. I'm starting to. I'm starting to get it now. So your your novice classes almost look like they have kind of a novice name to them, and then your expert classes are named like your Moto Two, Moto Three are both can be an expert class. Your Stock One Thousand is an expert class. Correct. Your lightweight superbike. Um, your uh, your middleweight superbike, middleweight superstock, and then I, I would assume open is open. So you. Well, I don't know about that. We'll get into that. Okay. Anyway, so that's Moto3, Moto2. You're looking at smaller bikes, Moto3 being the, the real small boys. I think you said 400 cc's. That makes sense because that would be that Ninja 400 kind of being the cutoff there. So next up, we got Stock 1000 and then Lightweight Superbike. Yep. So Stock 1000, our rules are uh, in alignment with the Moto America Stock 1000 class. No wheels. Try and keep... Uh, keep the motor modifications to, I believe you can do a thinner head gasket and adjustable cam timing. Um, but you know, nothing else inside the motor. So sticking towards the Moto America version of stock 1000 and, and that's intended for people that want to try and make their way up through our club into stock 1000 to get some experience on um, that type of equipment. And that's usually a pretty competitive class also. Okay. And then lightweight super bike? Uh, lightweight super bike is like middleweight. No, lightweight. It's it's lightweight bikes that have, whenever something says super bike, that means you can modify quite a bit. Okay. So you can change the insides of the motor, you know, wheels, suspension, all kinds of stuff. And all those details are in the rule book. Okay. And then we've got open twins. Twins, the favorite <laughs> of the world currently. Yeah. <laughs> Ducati twins are coming back. If you get into the details of the rules for that class, the triples are allowed uh, within certain spec. And so, yeah, it's it's a twins class. And uh, there's a couple other bikes allowed in there also. So this, this is basically where you're going to find your RS660s, your R7s, your CBR650s, Ninja 650s. Do the Ninja 400 boys kind of play up and mess around there or do they just you stay can away from ride it? up you can certainly ride up in that okay. class um, okay it's it's the indian and the arrow in this sport i like to say so um you know you yeah. could have a shane turpin type person on a 400 and i'm not gonna have anything for him on my r1 probably <laughs> <laughs> right good deal Maybe. all right so that's there's, there's the twins so the, really the rule there is the rule book will go into more detail but if you have a twin that's the spot for you right so parallel twin bikes Correct. That's where it's at. Yep. No V twins in there though. Oh, there's V twins. Yeah. That's oh, okay. A You're allowed V twins in there. Okay. Oh, sweet. Next up, we kind of already talked about it a little bit, but the Formula Forty GTU GTO. What is a just what does the that age mean? limit? You got to be forty years or older for that class. A forty year old bike. No, a forty year old rider. They allow those guys to race. <laughs> Come on, take it easy now. 
I'm about to be 53. So if I don't want to exclude myself, we got to keep allowing these older guys. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I only, I only talk so much about it because, uh, uh, most of them, all of them, honestly, every time I get on the track, I get some, someone that's much older than myself that is definitely way better than I am. So I don't actually have room to talk. Uh, experience goes a long ways out there, but you gotta pass the shade around where you can, you know? Yeah. And look, everybody, you, your comment makes me think of something else, right? Is like everyone's on their own path and their own journey in this sport. And I've, I've been just completely destroyed on the track by a, a 16 year old kid on a 300 race bike where I said, um, the straightaway is coming up on my 1000. I'm going to get back to this kid on the straightaway. And I didn't, my good friend, Kevin is 70 years old. I just got up to his pace in the last year or two. He's still very fast. I have a good friend who's a uh, paraplegic who has special controls on his bike. The first time I went on the track, he flew by me like I was tied to a post. So, <laughs> you know, there's a lot to this sport. There's a lot of uh, equipment and, and your ability. And, you know, like you said, the longer people have been in it and the longer they've been on the journey, Usually the, the faster and better they're getting at it. There's people that, that start off and pick it up right away and they're immediately fast. So, you know, I find the challenge with those people is to, to talk them down a little bit and calm them down a little bit because the new guy that comes out that's really fast, uh, sometimes we see those are a lot of crashes from that guy. So and sometimes they end up in that three-year category. You were that's, talking about. that's what we don't want, right? So, you know, again, I'll, I'll take another opportunity to tell you guys what I think what my mantra and, and what I would recommend to other people is just try to go for this small incremental improvements every time you're out on the track. Um, you know, take training. YCRS is awesome. Uh, we got coaching, local coaching here. AZ does a lot of great coaching here in Utah. Uh, the AZ Riding Academy, Ken Hill podcast is an awesome resource. There's tons of tons of resources out there to help you uh, with with rider training and development. And you know, it, it takes people a long time to realize sometimes that it's it's better to invest in that type of thing than a five thousand dollar motor build because <laughs> it's. it's sure. You don't need more on. power on your bike. The gray matter up here, what's in between your ears is is a big part of the lap time too. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Uh let's see. That was Formula 40, both GTU and GTO. So your your age matters, and then they've got it for the big big bikes, small bikes. Yeah. Uh all right. You had a middleweight, both superbike and super stock. So middleweight is gonna be your six hundred cc ballpark category. Um, Superbike is normally less restrictive. So a superbike, you can put a longer swing arm, you can change the ECU, uh, a lot of motor work, internal motor work. Um, and a superbike, whenever you see that word superbike on a class, it's it's much less restrictive on on what you can do to the bike. Um, what was the other one you just mentioned? Just the middleweight super stock, which I'm going to take a guess is much like the super bike, but with restrictions on what you can do to it. Usually no motor work. So okay. relatively stock motor, other couple little details you can read in the rule book, but it's a little bit more restrictive, i.e. less expensive when you're building your bike. Okay. Sweet. Okay. So that's your middleweight super bike, super stock. Then we have an open super stock and super bike, uh, which I, I think I can take that one. 
It's going to be the same as the middleweight, but for the bigger bikes. For the 1,000cc bikes. Sweet. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And then finally, down to our last two, we've got the King of the Mountain GTU and the King of the Mountain GTO, which we kind of already touched on a little bit, but if you want to just sum those up for us real quick. Sure. So that's our premier class. Uh, that's the class that we give the number plate for. So if you want to get the number one plate for our club, KOM GTO is, is the class that, uh, that determines that. Um, our KOM classes are also double the distance. So our normal race distance for all the other classes is seven laps. The KOM race is 14 laps. You know, again, that's why we have kind of the ladder system building up to that because 14 laps in, in the Utah summer when it's 95 degrees out is, uh, yeah. there's a big fitness component to that too, which is great, right? That's a big part of our sport also is your fitness, um, physical and mental for, for people that are on the journey and they're working their way up through the, through the ranks, um, KOM could be a good goal to have. Definitely get, think, put some thought and effort into your physical fitness program. Cause, uh, again, that 14 laps is longer than you think once you get out there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can attest to that and I haven't ridden it. I just watched it and that was a lot. Uh, you know, my physical fitness walking up the stairs once and then sitting there watching it was bad enough. So if you think you're going to go out there and ride a bike after sitting around for a few years, uh, yeah, you do get in the zone. I mean, once, once you get out there and you start getting in the rhythm of the track and the laps are going by you, you get in the zone, but if, if you're in the zone and then you have to battle somebody and they're pretty equally matched, then the fitness is really a factor because you can push a little harder and put the pressure on the person and make them make a mistake or vice versa. Every little bit counts at that point. You know, the, the bike setup, your your mental state, your fitness, it, it's all coming into play at that point. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You want you don't want to be a lap twelve gas trying to still hold on and make the right decisions. Yeah. I want to be feeling my best on lap 12. So my fitness program is, is all geared around cycling in the summer, cycling in the elevation and the heat here in Utah. The distance of my rides is, is a lot of times geared around that 14 lap time period. And hoping that when we get to lap 12, I'm still feeling good and ready to ready to fight. Right. Yeah. Save it all for the last. Sweet. Well, that wraps up all of the classes. Hopefully, uh, you guys listening that are looking into USBA found that a little bit, at least. Uh, quick definitions. It is all in the rule book. You got to go read the rule book, but hopefully that kind of helps bring some uh, simple words to and, the rule book, if you, you will. Know, don't be shy. Reach out to us if you're reading it and you have questions and you're wondering, like, what bike should I get? I'm thinking about getting this bike. Which classes is it? Is it legal for? Just send an email to board at Utah SBA. And one of us will get back and help you. Sweet. Good deal. Awesome. Sure. Well, I think we got, I, I, I got the next topic. Yeah, sweet. That's what I was going to ask. So I don't know how much you're ready to talk about or not talk about, but we are moving to two day racing. I'd like to, I'd like to dig into that some if we could. Sure. A couple years ago, five, six years ago, you know, the, the industry goes up and down and, and the participation in, in the industry goes up and down. And I think we were at kind of a low point for, for both us and the track in general. And we had a couple of bad years financially. Uh, we were back doing two day racing back then. 
and uh, you know the, the club frankly almost went out of business and so this is about 2019 we uh, we were thinking what can we do to survive and and kind of put ourselves in a better financial position and make sure the club is still viable going forward and so we decided to fall back to one day racing because we thought by condensing things into one day um, it would it would just be financially better for us and so we were about to launch that and that was the year that covid hit and so we were like oh man <laughs> we're already on the ropes and now covid and, and nobody's gonna want to do anything during covid and you know believe it or not that was one of our best years because um the mra in colorado um which is a version of the motorcycle club racing over in in colorado Mm-hmm. Um, they were having some drama and, and some folks that uh, came over from there to race with us. Um, California was shut down way worse than Utah during COVID. So a lot of people from California that, that couldn't do anything over there came to Utah to race with us. And so, you know, falling back to one day racing and, and those other actually benefits of COVID helped us. And, and we made a huge recovery uh, financially. We've debated going back to two-day racing every year since then. Um, my, my feeling is that we want to continue to grow the sport in Utah, and, and there's a couple ways to do that. Um, we have to do a better job marketing ourselves to the local population here, which we have a lot going on with that. But we also want to try to draw people from around the region, so the Intermountain West, Canada, um, uh, to me, it's, it's harder to justify a trip to Utah for only one day of racing. If you have to drive, you know, 12, 14 hours to get here. Um, that was a big, big thing for me to go back to two days. Cause we want to draw people from around the region. So that was a big part of it. The track has, has partnered with us extensively to help us, uh, you know, share the risk a little bit in, in going back to two day racing. So that relationship that we have with UMC is uh, is very important to all of us on on a lot of levels, air fence and, and and safety and just you know being on the same page with the people at the venue is is critical and um, you know the two day racing is is also uh, a little bit of support and partnership from the track to to help us do that. So um, you know we we as I said we debate that uh, decision for every year since I've been involved here for the past five or six years. And uh, this year we decided that the, the conditions are right and the time is right that we're going to go back to uh, to two-day format. So I will support that. I will – I'll be there. But uh, <laughs> I do have what – do you, what do you think the – I know the decision has been made. What do, you, what do you think the split was? What do you – I've I've experienced both at other facilities, and I have I have some opinions on it. But so we actually a couple of years ago we did a survey of the membership and asked people tell us your opinion and your thoughts, just like you're asking now of of uh, you know do you like one day or two day format? And it was almost exactly fifty fifty <laughs> the the opinions and and the thoughts that we heard back. And so we got that data and, and that's one of the reasons that it was that we did not go back to two day racing for the last couple of years. Cause we, uh, 
wanted to be safe and conservative and, and stick with what was working. You know, to your question, though, I think you can do a one day version of our program. You can you can just do a Saturday or you can just do a Sunday. There's going to be racing um, and practices on both days. But so what if I'm going after a championship? You can pick the classes that only run on those days. That's what I want. That's that's leading into what I wanted to get into also. Yeah. Is. yeah. So there isn't going to be a class that you have to run both days to get points for okay. the whole season. We're going to be splitting the classes and, and format around that concept. The other okay. thing is that there's always going to be an apex track day on the Friday before our race weekend. So again, for someone that's thinking about traveling from a long distance, they can actually make it a three-day riding event. They can do Friday track day, Saturday, Sunday racing. That's uh, a lot of tires. They could do, <laughs> well, then you have to drive home on and get to work the next week, right? So you could come and do the Friday track day and Saturday racing and then, you know, sleep Traveling in on Sunday, Sunday and drive home on Sunday. So we, we've tried to make it flexible and, and uh, you know, appealing to all different types of people. But um, again, kind of getting back to the core of the question of two-day racing, I think we want to go back to that to to try and draw more people from around the region and make it a worthwhile trip for a, a two- or a three-day event. And, um, you know, with the support of the track and uh, the way things have been going for us, we, we think this is the right time to, to go back to that two-day format. Okay. So I know you said, uh, you said schedule is available on on Facebook right now and should be available on the website soon. And are you looking at splitting like East and West or is a weekend going to be dedicated to a side? Yeah. So each weekend will be dedicated to a, a track configuration. So okay. round one will be apex track day on West Utah SBA, SBA racing Saturday and Sunday on the West track. Okay. And vice versa. Then one, some weekends will be the East track, the actual race day schedule and the format of what classes are when is the next thing on my list. So um, now that we got the schedule, the dates set, and the air fence is is pretty much there, um, the next big thing is to work out the, the race day schedule. So stay tuned for that. That should be out in the next couple of weeks here. Okay. Can you tell us, I know that schedule is not out yet, but can you tell us, so currently, or last year, on a Saturday, you had a full schedule that covered all the classes that we just spoke about are you going to have less races in a day how how are the classes how's it going to be two full days without doing the same class good good question so we're changing the class structure a little bit that's still to be finalized we're going to take a little bit of pressure off time pressure off of the schedule because in that saturday one day racing you probably realize there's a lot packed into that one day in terms of race day operations we didn't have any problem because our race director was great. PK was great. And, uh, you know, the track people are great. And, and we didn't have a ton of crashers this year, knock on wood. So things ran pretty smoothly. But, you know, with that Saturday schedule packed with so many classes, you know, running right one after the other, um, if we had any big events that threw things off schedule, it, it could get ugly towards the end of the day, maybe have to cancel or shorten races. Um, again, that didn't happen, but but with that one day schedule, everything's packed into one day, and, and you run the risk of that. So, 
you know, like I said, we're working on the format, but some of the, the highlights I can give you, we're going to be making it a little bit less condensed. So trying to pack a few less things into each day. Um, we're going to be adding some classes, probably an endurance class in at least two of the rounds. We are going to have qualifying for one or two additional classes beyond just KOM, because right now, uh, last year, we only had qualifying for KOM. So there'll be another class, uh, maybe two that have qualifying for them. Um, we're going to probably add another set of practice sessions on Saturday morning, maybe break out the qualifying into its own session. So the, the one class for the championship that you will have to probably try to be there on both days is KOM. So we'll have KOM qualifying on Saturday and the KOM race will be on Sunday. Okay. That doesn't mean you couldn't just show up for Sunday and start from the back. It's a 14 lap race. If you're fast, you're going to be there in, in the front after a couple laps, probably. Anthony Norton. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> uh, he started from the pit lane last year and beat me. That was a fun one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good. Well, that makes All sense. Right. I'm, I'm excited to see that schedule come out. Like I said, I'll, I'll be there as many days as you open the track to me, but yeah. do you think, um, you know, you said you've been talking about doing this two day thing for a few years now. Do you think that's something that if this year doesn't go well, I mean, you know, over here praying and hoping that it goes great and we could just keep it going and more people come out, not trying to put any badness there, bad vibes bad, as the people say nowadays. In the universe. Yeah, juju. Yeah. But, um, if it just turned out to kind of just not work or you saw numbers come down because of it or too many complaints, is that something we would shy away from, move back, or we're going to try it out for at least three years or what's kind of your take there? It's a very good question. And, um, you know, I was just elected president for the beginning of, uh, so January here is the beginning of my first term, which is two years. You know, my plan is to, is to keep going here for, this year and next year and do everything we can to ensure the, the financial health and viability of the club. It, it okay. comes down to that, right? We're, we're not going to do anything to hopefully put ourselves out of business. If, if we get killed on two day racing this year, we're going to have a healthy debate and maybe fall back to one day next year. And, and it depends on us and all of us to, to do a good job of promoting ourselves and promoting the sport and promoting the track and getting more people out to our races so that uh, we we have enough enough people entering and paying the entry fees that we break even on the rental of the track or make a couple bucks and uh, you know life is good if if we have 30 people showing up for a two-day race round you know but we're not going to last long if, if that's the scenario so yeah. everybody that's listening to this uh, come out and bring a friend and we'll have two-day racing for the foreseeable future. Yeah. So speaking of bringing a friend, you know, if I had a, a significant other or a friend that's not into motorcycles or j just doesn't ride, you know, maybe likes motorcycles a lot or something like that, is there anything that other people can do to help out USBA? For sure. Uh, we always need volunteers. And so any kind of volunteer work that you can bring people to do, you'll get uh, credits towards your registration. So we say volunteer, but there's actually compensation for it. Okay. Um, we need all kinds of people on a race day. 
Um, you know, the track provides a, a lot of people, but we need a lot of people volunteering in all kinds of different capacities to make the day happen. And so if, if you have someone or you're interested in volunteering yourself, again, reach out to board at utahsba.com. We also run Supermoto. I think we'll get into that topic a little bit more here, probably. We always need volunteers for Supermoto, corner workers, grid marshal, people like that. Uh, someone to just run the barbecue at the end of the day. Uh, so, Do I have to have a license for that, Dave? No. no oh, okay. No. <laughs> oh, this guy. Well, let's... Go ahead. Right. Well, it's just another joke about the barbecue. I'm like, do you kick someone out if they come and burn all the meat? If they burn or... all the hot dogs, you're not going to be asked to come back and take that okay. volunteer position again, probably. All right. So if you know you can't cook, we'll don't volunteer. For if that happens, we'll make you the starter. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, right. let's let let's segue. Let's use that segue to go into Supermoto. Um, I know that you participate or are there on Sundays. I have not uh, made it there on a Sunday to check that out. So tell us all about it. Yeah, Supermoto is really cool also. Uh, we have, we're very lucky that UMC has a go-kart track that is a world-class venue in its own right on the same level as the big track, right? I mean, our big track is awesome. Uh, our go-kart track is equally as awesome. And the facilities on that side of the, of the venue are great also. And so, you know, to start with, we, we have a very great venue in UMC and the go-kart track to run our Supermoto program. Supermoto in general, if people don't know, it's, it's basically put smaller wheels and, and slick tires on a dirt bike. Uh, 450 motocross is a great platform to start with. Uh, there's a couple couple of partners in town here. Toxic Moto Racing is uh, Jeff Rydelch, a good friend of mine. He runs Toxic, and he is an uh, excellent, excellent Supermoto resource. He actually supports the National AMA Supermoto Series. He's the, not uh, Michelin, and uh, why can't I think of the race tech? Metzler. Whew, sorry. <laughs> He's the Metzler tire vendor for Supermoto. He's also our Pirelli He's also our Pirelli vendor on the big track, but for Supermoto, um, a lot of us like to run the Metzlers. And so um, if you're looking to get into Supermoto, uh, again, give us give us a, an email and, and we'll help you kind of understand the rule book on that side. And there's a bunch of different ways to get into that. You can do the sportsman class, which actually doesn't require different wheels. So you could just put a less knobby-ish tire on your dirt bike and come out and test it out. Um, we're in talks with the track with UMC this year for them to run some open practice days. We're hoping like Thursday evenings every week, you'll be able to go practice on your supermoto bike on the go-kart track out there. Okay. Um, and then, you know, there's, there's companies like Warp 9 that make wheels that are specific to that application. And I will tell you that uh, I've had just as much fun on my 450 supermoto bike on the go-kart track as I've had on the big track. And we have all kinds of classes on that side for the kids. So my kids do it. The All the littler bikes for the kids uh, can be converted to Supermoto also. There's a whole big class now for Ovales. You guys know what an Ovale is? Absolutely. So we do. Yeah. Um, so much fun. And so we have Ovales. So 
Euro volleys run with your your supermoto day or classes. They run on the supermoto on the go kart track. Yep. Okay. Mostly asphalt only. So on the supermoto format, there are classes that are asphalt only, and then there's classes that go in the dirt section. We actually just worked with the track in the fall on um, you know fixing up and doing some improvements to the dirt section. So um, if you've been here before, you're going to come back and see a much better, cleaner dirt section more fun dirt section to our track, potentially more improvements to come from the track on that. Again, depending if we have a lot of people coming out and and that side of the series is financially viable, we have some more money to invest into the facilities. Uh, We're going to work with the track on making the dirt section even better, but it's it's pretty good now. So again, we're lucky to have this venue and, uh, and our relationship with the track, but yeah, Supermoto is uh, it's it's quite a bit less expensive than the big track. Um, those bikes crash pretty well, I can tell you from my own experience. <laughs> on the on the go kart track itself and the dirt section, I can tell you they they crash pretty good on both of those. Uh, is that what what do you mean by that, Dave? Does that mean that they crash easily, or that your credit card is less? Uh... The second thing that you said, I mean, the the crashing (laughs) usually comes down to the rider, right? So um, again, if you forget to check your tire pressure and you go out there with 40 pounds in your back tire, you may be headed for the headed for the ground soon. But yeah, I mean, look, I've but it's, a, it's a dirt bike. You you know, ghost ride it and it's it'll be fine. Dust it exactly. off. <laughs> bend, bend the handlebars back and get back out there. Yeah. Uh, Zip ties. So it. that yeah. the, the schedule plan for that is still uh, Sundays, just like always. It's going to be Sundays. It's going to be off weekends, though, right? Because we used to run it on the same weekend when we had one day racing. But now that we're back to two day on the big track, uh, the Supermoto is, is separate weekends. And so that schedule was also released on our Facebook page recently. You can find it out there. I believe that's six rounds. And uh, that'll be up on our website soon also. Okay. I didn't catch that part. That makes sense. I thought that was going to be a busy Sunday. You had yeah. Yeah, but both you sides need more volunteers. And and look, <laughs> you know, we're, we're doing a five-round series on the big track on the Superbike, and that's a big part of the reason that we're doing five instead of six because it is a lot of work. It's a lot of weekends out there. Our volunteers, uh, we love them. We don't want to burn them out. Our board, we don't want to burn ourselves out as a board. And so um, since we are going back to two-day, we, we had a lengthy debate and all agreed that uh, it, it's, it's better to do a five-round season instead of six you know, if it goes great and, and things run smoothly and we don't have a big air fence project to do next year and we're feeling ambitious, um, we could go back to six or even seven rounds on road racing in uh, in future years. But, you know, we're already making a big step forward with going back to the East Track and uh, and getting back to two-day racing. So, yeah, we don't have to do it all in one. So <laughs> let me ask about the kids, though, in the Supermoto. You mentioned kids what's the what's the youngest kid you can throw on a supermoto track uh i had my daughter out there when she was seven forget the age limit in the rule book i should know that but it's in the rule book but yeah pretty young you can get them out there pretty young on a pw50 um in our supermoto there's also a kids class novice and expert so you can petition and work your way up through those classes uh, we have some kids that are doing really well that have petitioned to ride up into the novice adult classes. Uh, 
on a case by case, we're, we're willing to think about that. So we had uh, one boy Parker bus this past year, uh, did a Moto America round in the mini cup, did his Ovali here with us uh, in the novice class and, and he did great. And so, yeah, it's, it's so fun to watch the kids and, um, you know, back to volunteering. If you know anybody that wants to volunteer, it's it's really fun to be out there as a corner worker in Supermoto watching the kids go around and, you know, battling out with each other and getting better and better every race. It's uh, super fun to watch the progression. Yeah. And, I mean, well, that's a bad joke. You mentioned drugs earlier, and I was like, keep them away from drugs by giving them a different drug, you know? <laughs> Get the kids addicted uh, early. Yeah, look, not I had drug. a friend recently tell me that was their plan. They got their kids hooked on skiing and motorcycles, hoping they wouldn't have money for drugs. And uh, <laughs> it'll work. It it'll didn't work. pan out that way for that no. particular person. But <laughs> we can continue to try that strategy. I <laughs> was from the skiing. You know, yeah. it was it was yeah, this is a motorcycle podcast that doesn't happen here. It was from the skiing. Right, right. That's good. <laughs> uh, all right. Well. So, uh, do you have any idea when the awards banquet is scheduled for? You haven't released that yet, have you? That is uh, another topic that's coming up. We have our board meeting this week on Wednesday, and that's uh, one of the main topics because we definitely need to get that uh, scheduled. We, we have the awards, the medals, and the plaques are ordered. That's usually the kind of the long pole in the tent on planning that event is the lead time for the medals and the awards. Um, so that's in process. Another great thing that, that came from our relationship with the track is that Garrett offered us to use the clubhouse out at the track for our awards this year. They have that thing winterized right now. We usually have our awards in, in February. It might be early March. Um, but it's probably going to be at the track in the clubhouse. Um, again, thanks to, to Garrett and UMC for, for helping us with that. And uh, stay tuned. We should have the date here in the next little bit. So you keep mentioning the, the board, Dave. How does a um, – I know, like, we – as a club, club member, if you own a license there, you pay your dues, whatever that might be. You get to vote for your board members, board president, and all that, I believe, right? Correct. So the board meetings, is that something that – like it's just the board or if someone else wanted to show up at least to listen, are they allowed to put an input or is that really kind of, nope, you voted for us. We're going to take care of you. So I believe our bylaws say that it's open to anybody that wants to attend. Okay. Um, we have not promoted that to be honest with you. Cause it's, it's a lot to cover and uh, kind of the second thing that you said, you, you elected us to run the club. So we're going to run the club. But yeah, technically to the bylaws, um, if anybody wants to attend a board meeting, just again, send an email to that, that email board at utahsba.com. We usually do them in person. Um, that attendance might be Zoom. So there's usually a Zoom component to our meetings. And uh, yeah, we're totally open to having people Zoom into those meetings. Okay. So you're, you're welcome to be there, but also be aware that there's a lot to cover and uh... The more minds and mouths and yeah. not ears there are there, <laughs> the less easy that becomes. So. Correct. Correct. <laughs> All right. Well, I understand that. So, All right. Um, I didn't have a whole lot else on USBA specifically. Cole, you got anything else on that? Yeah, well, I think if, if you just 
I mean, do you want to give an overall state of the, I know we've touched on it a couple times, but if you want to give an overall state of the USBA as you see it? Yeah. You know, I think the state of the club is great right now. We've, uh, we've worked really hard on our relationship with the track, with UMC. Um, I think that's in a really good place. We actually just had a meeting last week with um, uh, some of the board and Garrett and his staff and all of our major sponsors of the club to get together and talk about what all we can do to help promote each other. And, and the main theme of that, um, Apex Track Days was there also, the main theme of that goes back to you know the two things I said at the beginning. Let's just make sure people understand the track is still out there and it's pretty easy to get on the track in your car or your motorcycle through an Apex Track Days or, or a Utah SBA or the Supermoto side of things. You know, it's it's easy to get on the track. And so, um, you know, generally the state of the club is good and getting better based on those things that we're working on in, in promotional side of, of things. You know, financially, we have some money in the bank. As I said, we were uh, we were close to death a couple of years ago. We made a miraculous recovery. The one day racing, you know, leadership of the club in, in recent years had, has really done a great job of, of putting us in a, a pretty good financial position, right? Like we don't have millions of dollars where we can do whatever we want. And if we make big mistakes, it doesn't matter. But we have uh, a decent cushion in the bank. So we're not impending doom right now, which is, uh, that's nice for everybody, especially right. me, less stress. <laughs> uh, don't want to, yeah. I don't want to ruin it for everybody. So right. <laughs> the fact that there's some money in the bank, you know, if we have a couple of bad rounds, we're going to survive and, and bounce back. Um, the relationship with the track I keep talking about, it's, it's great. And I think getting better all the time, our improved schedule, we talked about going back to two day racing, is huge. I think it's going to bring people from around the region. Our partnership with our sponsors. So before I was president, I was the sponsorship manager and uh, actually very proud of, of the group of sponsors that we've built up. And, and, you know, a lot of them are going on three, four, five, some of them 10 years of, of supporting of the club. So you can find them on our website. My, my cliche there, my, my saying is support those that support us, right? Right. Our sponsors are a big part of the reason that our entry fees are relatively low. Um, if it wasn't for the, the sponsorship revenue that's coming in from, from that side, we would have to charge more uh, to every person on registration to make ends meet. So, you know, support those that support us. Go, go do business with our sponsors. And when you're there, tell them thanks for supporting the Utah SBA. And, and boy, our club actually does that. I mean, I've been talking about that for three years in my sponsorship role and people go and do it. And when we go to get the renewals the following year from those sponsors, they're happy to do it because they feel the love and they get the support and, and they get value from the money they spend to, to sponsor the club. So, uh, you know, I think the sponsorship is, is in a good place. The Road Racing World Action Fund has been huge. Um, John Ulrich and, and all of the uh, consulting and guidance that we've gotten from him. And as I mentioned, um, very favorable payment terms and, and pricing on the air fence that we're getting is a key to us going back to the East track. It's a key to us going back to five rounds and two day racing. So definitely want to give a shout out to John and 
the whole Ulrich family and road racing world and, and the road racing world action fund specifically, you know, he, he said the other day it's, he's on a crusade uh, for air fence and safety. You know, it makes a big difference to all of us as riders want to just make sure everybody understands how important that is to us and how much support we're getting from John and, and road racing world action fund on that. You know, generally uh, I think, you know, closing comments, the, the feeling and the vibe in the club was was really good last year and I think getting better. People are excited to come race with us. We've gotten a lot of good feedback from people that come from around the region already that, that say, you know, you guys are our favorite club that we race with. You do a great job. Um, we're not perfect. We make mistakes. Um, we try to learn from that and do better all the time and we try and take people's input. And, and do everything we can to keep making the club better and, and the process better. So, yeah, like I said, I, I had a good vibe and a good feeling all of last year. We're very excited for 2024. Yeah, thank you guys for having me on. It's, it's really uh, good to be able to get the message out in this format. Totally appreciate it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I was going to say absolutely. Appreciate you coming on. <laughs> um, for sure. Uh, we'll do everything we can to keep promoting it. Like you said, uh, People that come in, we'll we'll send them your way. Yeah, and yeah. I I wanted to to tag on with that board at USBA.com. Absolutely, send them an email if you need to. If that feels scary, uh, hit us up on Instagram at JK Moto Podcast. You can ask us any questions, and we'll get you the answers. I know we've had people do that before. We'll either direct you straight over to them, but also we'll do like I can I can also read a rule book with you, and if it. <laughs> if there's something in there that doesn't make sense to me and you all you email escalate, them and, you escalate it up to me yeah right so we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll get to business we'll um, get it we'll get it solved one way or the other we'll, we'll yeah. get some answers um, um oh yeah the other email that we want to promote is airfence at utahsba.com if, if anybody wants to support that cause and, and donate to our air fence fund, like I said, John's been very gracious. We still owe a significant amount of money towards what he's going to send us. So our air fence fundraising efforts are going to be ongoing for the foreseeable future. So anybody that's interested in supporting that, uh, it's a good cause. It's tax deductible. You donate directly to the Road Racing World Action Fund. They're a 5013C, so it's tax deductible. And it goes to a good cause, which is uh, the safety of all of us knuckleheads out there riding around. Yeah, well, and I'll, I'll say not only that, but, you know, Road Racing World Action Fund in general, road racing in the world, all over the world, in America, has to has to stay alive. Because if that doesn't stay alive, people don't race. And if people don't race, no one goes up to Moto America. If no one goes to Moto America, no one makes it. Eventually, like, it just goes up the chain. And so if that stuff dies off, then it all dies off. Right. It, it starts with track. It starts with people buying motorcycles. You get to track days, you get to club racing, and then you just move up the chain from there. And if we if we take away anything at the bottom rungs, you know, as your base layer, everything else falls away. And, and, and I agree with that 100 percent. And you're kind of looking up. But I also want to make sure we talk about that topic looking down or not down, but looking back towards street riders in the other direction and that safety aspect of that whole thing right i mean look there's a group here in salt lake called the motley misfits you may have heard of them um it's a group of of sport bike riders that goes out and they ride really fast on the street and i've ridden with them a couple times i'm friends with a bunch of them with most of them i love those guys 
I think they ride too fast on the street. So if, if our program, our club and, and club racing and, and road racing and track days go away, that's less of an outlet for that group. And, right. and then that stuff starts going back to the street. Right. So, um, you know, Dustin Lance is our title sponsor, Utah Motorcycle Law. Dustin's been a longtime partner of the club. And, and Dustin, as a, a personal injury lawyer, has seen a lot of cases, uh, a lot of injuries. And, and he actually came up with a term and he's, he's got it on our keychain tag that says, ride the street, race the track. And so a lot of us have, have kind of had a mission in the last couple of years, especially with these Motley Misfit groups, to get them to know that the track is there and to get them to come out and, and ride on the track and get it out of your system on the track so you're not riding crazy on the street. And, you know, the, the street, you faster you go, people get mad at you and they discourage you from going faster. And there's financial and health and law implications of that. The racetrack is a place where people encourage you to go faster, right? The you get whole- a trophy. The whole point of it and everybody out there is, is geared towards helping you to go faster. So, you know, let, yeah, we're only we're only going to push you further and further up. <laughs> let, let's get these guys to the track and, and not just the Motley Misfits, right? Street riders in general. You know, you'll, you'll be able to see what your sport bike is really capable of uh, without worrying about gravel or a truck in your lane or a cop or, you know. Uh, yeah, if you had if you had chicken strips on your tires. You won't anymore. You can get rid of them at the track. We're, <laughs> we're wanting to help you do that. So absolutely, I, I you know, agree with what you're saying though. It's important to have us as a rung on the ladder moving up. But my um, also big concern is just like what Dustin said is is getting that mentality and that message out there to you know ride the street and, and race the track and um, get get yourself out on the track and get it out of your system so you don't have to ride like. Uh, I don't want to say ride like an idiot on the street, but I'll say like, don't ride like an idiot on the street, you know, like <laughs> no, get it on the track and get that's it out fair. of your system. You know, I did, I did have a quick question kind of related to that. Your, your street GP, uh, series, if you will, it's not really a series, I guess, but class in your racing, is that something that does have a trophy at the end of the day or a medal or. If I, if I win the street GP race, do I get anything to go home with? There's no trophy and there's no medal. Just by the logistics of that class is there's no transponder. So mm-hmm. we're not tracking lap times and official results. Again, that's more of a, a mini version of the NRC and a way for you to put your toe in the water. Yeah. And, and once you get hooked and, and you're saying, I want to get more further into this, then you get your novice license and you start getting into the classes with, with points and results and medals. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I, I haven't done a ton of research yet, but I've been researching a little bit. Um, as far as I know, that's a pretty unique class to have at a, at a club racer level. So if you're, you know, I, I met some people last year, I was at one of the USBA's rounds and I met some people that they've never even done a track day and they're out doing the street GP. But if you've been doing track days and you're like, I don't really want to go over the edge let me try this. That's also right. So it's, it's so open to everyone. It's a sweet way to do it. That's the way we've kind of geared it with the training sessions and the classroom sessions and the control riders and stuff in the morning, um, is, is to try and get you 
regardless of how much experience you have, get you that first taste and that first exposure to the race environment. Yeah, like I said, it's uh, it's a loss leader for us. Uh, we give the first one away for free to try and get people to do it and, and continue to lower that barrier of what people think is, is needed to get on the track. And mm-hmm. um, we've had a great turnout and, and, you know, a lot of those people roll over into, into novice racing. So we're really happy with that pro. It took it took us a long time. <laughs> you know, we've had the street GP class for probably seven or eight years, and it's really only in the last three or four years that it's started to get traction. Uh, okay. No pun intended. There, there is a pun there, but um, <laughs> you know, it, it's something that we thought made sense, and and our vision was this was what it would be to get people in their toe in the water. But it's taken a while, but it's finally starting to take off, and, and we're really excited about it. Sweet. Perfect. So, well, again, is there anybody I, – I know you've – we don't have to go back to them again, but is there anybody else you'd like to thank before we end or shout out? Tons of people, actually. James Riggs was president of our club before me. James had a – you know, he was in the at the end of COVID and the one-day racing, and uh, the, the lack of air fence and negotiations with the track and, and James put in endless, endless hard work and people weren't happy with, with some of the things that James did, but in the end, James left the club better than he found it and in a very pretty good, strong financial position. So uh, big thanks to James for everything he did. Scott Ryberic, as I mentioned, was president of our club. He actually runs the uh, the Build Train Race program in Moto America now with Freddie Spencer and, and Royal Enfield. And Scott was uh, our president here, did great stuff, helped build our club, helped build up the culture, you know, simplify a lot of the operations. He's been a big mentor to me. And so, yeah, big thanks to Scott always. YCRS, a lot of our curriculum in the education that we do is, is based on the YCRS program, which is awesome. Uh, I went to it in March last year down at uh, Indy in Arizona. Just an awesome group of people, an awesome program. I learned so much. Instructors at that thing were like Stefano Mesa, heavy hitters, Kyle Wyman, like heavy hitters in our industry was was personal instruction for me. So definitely thanks to YCRS for uh, what they do to support us and, and highly encourage people to check that out. Who else? The track I've mentioned multiple times tonight definitely appreciate the partnership especially with garrett potter who's the gm of the track john ulrich at road racing world as i said for the air fence all of our sponsors sure i'm forgetting people i apologize shane turpin just because he's shane (laughs) Uh, yeah all right that's fair well again we appreciated you coming on and i learned a lot yeah. Thank you guys. Let me know uh, what else we can do to help you and uh, definitely look forward to seeing this thing come out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. To all the listeners, thanks for being here. Once again, make sure you subscribe to the channel. If you're in Utah or now that they have two day racing anywhere nearby, I'd say within 12 hours, kind of that metric we mentioned, go check them out, get on there, take your license you already have, or go get a license, go race with them. It helps everyone out. Thanks everyone for being here. We'll see you all next week. Thanks. Thank guys. you.